Welcome to the Fertile Womb Podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm the owner of Rosebud Wellness, which is a women's holistic health practice in Southern California. In my practice, I use acupuncture, yoni steaming, abdominal massage, and the fertility awareness method to support women on their conception journey. In this podcast, I will be sharing about some of the practices and tools that I use in my practice, and also will be interviewing women about their own personal fertility journey, as well as other professionals in the fertility space. Thanks so much for listening. Please enjoy. Just popping into this episode to let you know about a special holiday offer I have coming up. So on starting on December 19th until December 26th, I have an offering of three one-on-one 75-minute sessions with me and my Fertility Awareness Method ebook all for only $275. So it's really quite the steal for this holiday season. My special gift for all of you out there that are on the conception journey but are not feeling quite ready for a mentorship or a course but do want some one-on-one support. So you can grab this offer by reaching out to me on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness and just send me a direct message and I'll get back to you and get you set up. Or you can also email me if you're not uh, an Instagram person. You can email me at holly at rosebudwellness.com. So hope to see you this holiday season. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fertile Womb Podcast. I'm doing a an evening episode. I haven't done one of those in a really long time, so it just feels really different energetically um, in my body. So yeah, hopefully this will be just kind of a fun little change, sort of a nighttime session with me. So what I wanted to talk about today is uh, xenoestrogens and just other toxins to be aware of in our environment, both externally in the environment at large, and then also within our home environment, the things that we have a little bit more control over. So I'll just be sharing kind of some tips about avoiding the sort of most endocrine disruptive types of chemicals and, you know, just making smarter choices about the things that you can choose to bring into your home or not. And so my intention with this episode, like everything that I share, is to ideally not make yourself crazy with it and to just take it as information that you can take or leave and incorporate in your own timing too. So the first thing I wanted to share about is hormonal contraceptives, of course, which are the most significant endocrine disruptor because they suppress ovulation and that disrupts the whole hormonal process that would take place naturally in a woman's body. And so that's how they're supposed to work. So it's not that it's doing anything other than what is intended to do, but that in and of itself will interrupt the endocrine processes that are supposed to be happening naturally. And so as you come off of those, when you are wanting to become pregnant, there can be some lag time where your body takes a little bit of time to sort of recalibrate and come back online. Um, It can take several months and it's dependent on a variety of factors, depending on when you started taking it, how long you were how old you were, how long you've been taking it, 
and just also how your specific system responds to it and also the type of birth control too. So it's sort of hard to say exactly how each woman will, what it will look like when they come off of it, when they are looking to become pregnant. But in general, I recommend for women to allow themselves 12 to 18 months off of hormonal birth control before they start trying to conceive. And that's why learning the fertility awareness method is so cool because you can prevent pregnancy for a period of time until you're ready to achieve pregnancy. And this whole time that you've been preventing pregnancy, you've also been optimizing your fertility and your cycle health. So that's sort of just an aside that hormonal contraceptives, if you've used them in the past um, or are still currently using them, if you're not actively trying to conceive yet, then that would be something to, to think about when we're talking about endocrine disruptors overall. Also, conventionally raised meat and dairy products are very disruptive to our hormonal balance. And the reason for this is because they are fed genetically modified plants and growth hormones. And so when we are ingesting the milk or cheese or whatever, or the meat products that we're getting from these conventionally raised animals, we are also taking in the plants that they were fed and the growth hormones that they were exposed to. Most people are pretty aware of that now and are tending to buy organic products when it comes to meat and dairy, um, but that's really important um, when you're on a fertility journey to be purchasing grass-fed um, organic types of meat and dairy products. So if nothing else is organic in your home, those are the things you definitely want to be purchasing organically. Also, I would put eggs in that category too. And then to go on to talking about more organic type of stuff. So pesticides in conventional fruits and vegetables are also something to consider when we're talking about endocrine disruption. So they are often sprayed with glyphosate to increase yields. So essentially the people that are growing these plants do not have human health in mind. They have yields and how much money they're going to be making in mind. So it's not any individual bad person that is creating this. Um, maybe there is some like higher up person that's just kind of bad and miserable, but that's sort of a story for another day. But it is important to be aware of that if you are purchasing conventional fruits and vegetables, how you can do it in a little bit of a, a more um, knowledgeable way where you're avoiding some of the highest, high, most often sprayed and most exposed to pesticide type of produce. So you can check out the EWG site to see the Dirty Dozen, which are the foods that you really do want to consume organically, organic versions of these fruits and vegetables if you can afford it, if it's available in your location. So, and it does change every year what the Dirty Dozen and then the Clean 15 is also listed on the EWG site. I'm going to, in the show notes, I'll link to each of the, the lists so you can scroll down and check that out. So the Clean 15 are the fruits and vegetables that are okay to consume if even if they're conventionally grown. So if you are, you know, trying to keep within a certain budget and you can get strawberries organically, but maybe your bananas, you're not, not going to bother getting organically, things like that. And then if you do get non-organic produce, whether 
just buying organic is not going to be an option for you for any of them. Or if you are getting these Clean 15, you can also still consider washing them to try to get any of the pesticides that are on the peel off as much as you can. And so you can do this with uh, two cups of water. You can combine two cups of water and one cup of distilled white vinegar. And then you soak the produce in there for five minutes, and then you'll take it out, wash it off, and that will help to remove some of the pesticide residue. So that can be a helpful way to kind of clean them up a little bit in your home. Body care products and cleaning products are something else to be aware of when it comes to toxins to avoid that are very disruptive to your endocrine system. And the reason for this is because they contain phthalates, which have an estrogenic effect on the body. So it's not that estrogen in and of itself is bad. We need estrogen to grow the endometrial lining and to produce fertile quality cervical mucus. So estrogen that is produced by our body naturally is wonderful and very important for so many things when we're talking about fertility and pregnancy. But what we don't want is these fake estrogens, basically xenoestrogens. And so if you have a body care product or a cleaning product that has in the ingredients that there is fragrance or perfume in the ingredient label, that's something that you will want to avoid because that is very likely to contain phthalates. So if this is not an option for you, if you're like, you know, I have this cleaning product that I really love, it makes my house smell really wonderful and I just, I'm, I'm not going to stop using it. One other option, or if you are somebody that is wanting to kind of slowly start to incorporate these changes, so maybe you're starting off by buying some more, some organic meat and dairy products, for example, but you are still going to keep your cleaning products until they're gone, or maybe you can't afford some other types of cleaning products yet, but maybe you will in the future. In the process, when you still have some of these more toxic, cleaner type things in your home, one other option would be to open up the windows as you are cleaning, just so that there isn't, you know, this sort of like sauna effect of holding all of those toxic chemicals inside of your home. Another option is to, you know, when you're able, if you run out of what you usually use, than just purchasing non-scented products. And then if you are on more of a budget, then you can also make your own. And so there are tons of recipes out there. And I know that I can get a little bit lost in all of the options because there's so many different things out there and some of them are really effective and then others are kind of a bust. So I will say that you can, as simple as possible, tends to sort of be the best way to start. And then you can build on that as you go. But combining just simple water, white vinegar, and some essential oils that you like the smell of, and then just playing with the amount of drops that you put in of the essential oil will help to kind of shift the, the fragrance level. And you can kind of see what you decide you like. So that would be a good kind of all-purpose cleaner for around your house. That would not disrupt your hormones, which would be great. Another thing to consider is not storing your food or beverages in plastic, and also not consuming canned, canned foods if you can avoid it. So what we're avoiding in this situation is BPA. And so most people, I think, in our culture now know to avoid PPA, BPA, and there are a lot of you know, things even that you'll see at 
all of the stores, you know, Walmart, Target, Amazon, wherever, that everything is BPA-free now. And so just because a plastic is BPA-free doesn't necessarily mean that it's toxin-free. So a lot of companies have become aware now that people are trying to avoid BPA, so they're just putting, they're just using other things that are equally, if not more, toxic and just calling it BPA-free and knowing that people will um, kind of purchase it because of that that buzzword type thing. So it's important to just kind of avoid plastics as much as you can. And it seems like it would be really complicated because you're like, oh, I have all these these storage containers and you know, maybe when they get a little bit old, you can just purchase glass ones instead. And you don't have to get a hundred of them. You can just get a couple and then just slowly start getting more glass uh, food containers, more glass to drink out of, to eat out of, to cook with. I'll be talking about um, cookware in just a second too. Um, But yeah, using glass is really wonderful. And I really love ball jars, for example, because they are glass and it's a wonderful little jar to drink out of. Some people think I'm totally weird that I only have those in my house. I don't actually have drinking, like normal drinking glasses um, that you could definitely get normal glass drinking glasses too. So you don't have to go full hippie like me, but um, you can buy a huge package of ball jars for really, really cheap. So um, it's a really great thing to use. And then I also use that to store, you know, like grains and nuts and things like that in my house rather than leaving them in plastic. So, um, you know, buying from bulk and then, you know, you just transport it from the store in that little bag, or you could even bring your jar to the store or whatever. You don't have to be that crazy, but, um, these are all just kind of things to think about that are pretty simple shifts that you can start to incorporate. And then nonstick cookware is also something that you want to avoid. So this is something that is it's really expensive to completely replace your cookware. So of course the expectation is not that you're just going to buy a whole new set when you just maybe bought a whole other set recently. So this is just, as I said before, it's just as you, you need to replace a pot or a pan, you're choosing a healthier option um, as you're replacing them anyways. So the reason that you're wanting to avoid non-stick cookware is because they contain PFCs and they are disruptive to the endocrine system. And so what the PFC does is basically create space between your food and the pan, which is why your food doesn't get all stuck to the pan. So it's very convenient. However, it's not very convenient in terms of your hormonal balance. So that's why we're wanting to avoid those. So I recommend using cast iron. So a lot of people are intimidated by cast iron. I know that I was for a while, but it's really not as hard as it looks. And there were so many people that I saw saying that you can't wash it with soap and water. And that always felt really confusing to me. Like, how am I ever going to get it clean? Like if I cook chicken in it and then I want to saute some vegetables and I don't want to have like crusty old chicken on there. What do I do about that? So what I personally do is I wash mine with soap and water, and then I just re-season it again with oil every time that I cook. So, and it's, you know, you just need to make sure after you dry it that you get it completely dry so it doesn't start to rust. That's the main concern when you're using soap and water. So, and I do find that if you use enough oil or butter, which is also very supportive of your fertility to be using these healthy fats. If you're using enough of it, then your foods won't really get stuck to 
these other pans that don't aren't nonstick. So you can also cook with glass, ceramic, and stainless steel when you're cooking pretty much everything. That pretty much covers all the bases of things that you would be using to cook with. So you're not having to use these nonstick versions anymore. Uh, filtering your drinking water is also really important to filter out pesticides, hormones, pharmaceuticals that are in our water, chlorine and fluoride. So a lot of people over, you know, sort of my years in, in holistic health have recommended the Berkey filter. And I've heard some sort of like weird things about it lately, and it is very expensive. So, um, you know, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it, but it is one of the better options that people tend to recommend. And basically you don't want to get something that is, I don't want to call it by its name, but something that's plastic, for example, and something that doesn't really filter out all of these things. So you want to do your research about getting a good water filter. And there are some that, you know, you can attach, attach to your faucet and your sink and you can go totally crazy with the water filtration too in your shower and all that kind of stuff. I personally have not gone down that rabbit hole. I'm sure that there are people that could share with you why that's really important. But I think that the water that we're we're drinking is, is sort of the priority for me. Um, there's another water filter that I've come across recently called the Aqua Easy purifier. And so I'll include a link in the show notes that it's it seems really similar to me to the Berkey filter, um, but it is significantly more affordable. So um, those are kind of two options to consider. There's so many more out there too. Also limiting processed soy products is really important when we're trying to avoid xenoestrogens in particular. So we will want to be avoiding soy milk, tofu, soybean oil, soy powder, soy flour, soy protein isolate, which even if you're somebody that's like, nope, don't eat soy, I never consume soy milk or tofu or anything like that. So check that off the list. Soy protein isolate can be found in protein powders or like protein bars, any sort of processed foods. So you definitely want to read the ingredients for things, not to make yourself crazy about reading the ingredient of every little thing, but try just trying to avoid soy as much as you can because soy is a phytoestrogen. So they it has an estrogenic effect on the body. And this is important for both men and women. So it can have an estrogenic effect on men as well, which will impact their ability to produce adequate levels of testosterone, which can impact their sperm quality. So both for, for both men and women, avoiding soy is really the best practice. And then soy can also inhibit thyroid function because it blocks iodine absorption and the thyroid needs iodine in order to function optimally. And part of the issue with soy is that 90% of soy is genetically modified. And so there's a ton of pesticide residue on it as well. So some of the things that soy can cause in a woman's body is to prolong the menstrual cycle. So it makes the follicular phase longer, causes estrogen dominance. And that's partially just from the, you know, if your follicular phase is really long, the first part of your cycle, and usually the, the luteal phase is a little bit shorter. So by default, you're estrogen dominant. So even if your estrogen levels aren't necessarily high, your estrogen is dominant over your progesterone levels. It can also cause fibroids, painful or heavy periods, irregular cycles, abnormal cervical mucus patterns, miscarriage, and can be a root cause of infertility. 
So if you really love soy and you're super bummed about everything that I've just said, you might consider consuming tempeh and or miso because those are long fermented. So where tofu is fermented, so it seems like maybe that would be okay, the process that we use in this country is not what they use traditionally in Asia, the long fermentation process. There's another um, food called I'm, you know, I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, maybe, but it's N-A-T-T-O, natto, natto, and that is a wonderful source of so many vitamins and minerals and is from soy as well, but it's most American people can't tolerate the taste of it. From what I've heard, I have not eaten it, so I'm not sure, but that is another thing to consider if you are a soy lover. So the last thing I wanted to touch on in today's episode is period products. So it's not necessarily something that we always talk about when we're talking about avoiding toxins, but it's really important that the menstrual products we use are also as toxin-free as possible. So most of the women that come to me by the time they come to me are already aware of this, but because this is a podcast and I don't know exactly where everybody's coming from, I thought I would take the opportunity um, to share about this, that if you are going to use, you know, single use pads and or tampons, I recommend highly getting organic. And this is not because I'm like this elitist, everybody needs to buy organic everything. I've always been sort of curious about the organic conversation and how much of it is just about money. So, but what I will say anecdotally, I've I've observed both in my own body and in the women that I've worked with over these, you know, past 10 to 15 years that I've been paying attention to all of this stuff is that if women are using conventional pads and tampons, they tend to have significantly more period pain and other sort of menstrual cycle issues. And then when they switch to organic cotton, it can really make a difference. And so just some other facts to throw out to you to kind of get you onto the organic um, side of things. Most cotton is GMO, is genetically modified in the United States, and so it's very heavily sprayed. Um, these both pads and tampons are, are bleached and exposed to many other chemicals as they're being produced. And so they can also ca- contain a toxin called a dioxin. And this is found in other things too, like some of the other things that I've mentioned previously, um, which can cause cancer, can damage the immune system, and can impair the reproductive system. So this is really important that you're not putting this in your very sensitive mucous membrane vagina that is very absorbent. So you're not wanting to expose your your precious vagina to all of this toxic crap. Um, So, and like I said, many women report less period pain. So that's just sort of um, a welcome thing to incorporate as well. So in terms of my favorite things to recommend to people if they are willing to hear my opinion, so we're going organic if we're using single-use pads and tampons. That's my first recommendation. Beyond that, I have found that because I'm an acupuncturist and I always have Chinese medicine philosophy in the back of my mind, 
I'm always thinking about the menstrual blood flowing down and out. I know I've shared about this before um, in my period pain episodes, but you never know when people are filtering in. So I'll just share again that we would love for the blow to blood to be able to flow down and out in as little amount of inhibition of that natural process as possible. So hopefully that makes sense. We're just wanting to let our blood flow out of us rather than being stopped up with a tampon, for example. So a pad would be a better choice, in my opinion, than a tampon. And then the the my most favorite choice personally is using period underwear because you are also avoiding, you know, having to buy a bunch of products. So it's good for your budget. It's also better for the environment because you're not producing a lot of waste. Um, And it also helps to kind of connect you to your blood a little bit more. One of the things that I sort of love about period underwear is that it forces a little bit more contact with your blood. And perhaps I'm going to gross out some people, but I mean, there are people that put menstrual blood on their face, like do a facial with it um, or paint with it. And I just, I find all of those kinds of things really fascinating and a beautiful reclamation of what our menstrual blood is, that it's it's life giving um, and an opportunity for ritual and intuition and so many other things. So with the period underwear, for example, you, I mean, what I usually do is when I take them off is I rinse them out in the sink. So I'm sort of like at washing them by hand first. And then I do ultimately put them in the washing machine too. But that initial, you know, just like clearing out my menstrual blood from my period underwear feels kind of I don't know, just like a, a little bit of a ritual to acknowledge my my lifeblood. And you can also feed it to your plants and things like that. So um, it's just kind of a, a nice connection to, to that process where a tampon is just kind of like, oh, take it out and forget about it. And I don't even know what color my period blood was. Um, another option is reusable cloth pads. So period underwear doesn't work for everyone because sometimes their period is too heavy. And if they use just period underwear. It's not enough to collect all of the blood that they are having, especially on days one and two of their cycle, if those are kind of the heaviest days. So that can be another option that you use those reusable uh, cloth pads. And I'll provide links to all of these things in the show notes as well. And so if you're using those, you can put those over top of the period underwear or just use them with your normal underwear or whatever kind of works best for you. And then the other option is a menstrual cup, of course. So some people absolutely love them. My only um, issue with them is the tendency for there to be that sort of stagnation of blood that it's not fully letting the blood flow down and out um, as it would be naturally. So those are my thoughts um, on you know avoiding toxins and xenoestrogens and trying to optimize your endocrine system by avoiding some of these toxic chemicals that are found in our environment. So this is not everything that you need to know. And also you don't have to do it all at once. So hopefully this was helpful. Please do reach out if you have any thoughts or questions, or if I could be answering some questions on the podcast that you have about fertility or fertility awareness method, charting, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, anything you'd like to hear about. And until next time. 
I'm excited to share with you that I have recently found a an at-home hormone testing company that I really, really love and very much align with their methodology and perspective on testing your hormones for understanding what's happening with your fertility. So the name of the company is Prove. So it's spelled P-R-O-O-V. And I really love that they kind of do a full hormone testing um, for understanding your fertility and potentially ovarian reserve. There are always limitations when you're talking about taking a snapshot on any individual day. But what's so really so great about this company is that they do invite you to test your hormones on multiple days of the cycle to really get a more complete picture of what's actually going on. Um, so I highly recommend checking them out. You can find them at provetest.com and you can use my code Holly, H-O-L-L-Y 20 at checkout to get 20% off of your first order. And they do have a variety of different test kits, um, and some of them do also incorporate the male side of things. So they do offer some semen analysis as well. So go over to prove, P-R-O-O-V test.com to check them out. And don't forget to use my code Holly 20 to get 20% off of your first order. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with somebody that you think might benefit from hearing some of the information that was shared here today. If you're interested in finding more about me, you can find me on my website at rosebudwellness.com, on Instagram at rosebud underscore wellness, or on Facebook at the Rosebud Wellness Community. Also, if you're feeling called to leave a, a rating or writing a review, that would be amazing. It really helps to get the podcast out to more listeners. Thanks so much for listening and until next time.